You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. I was just scratching my head. You were? Why are you scratching your head about? Nits. I've got nits. Mm. Gross. Did you used to, you know when you were at school, did you have a knit nurse? No. No, that was a thing in England. We had a knit nurse, and if a kid had nits, you went to this special nurse. We need to explain to people, when you say nits, you mean lice. Yeah, li- in yeah, America, it's lice. They call yeah. them nits. Yeah. Um, we had occasional. Why are we talking about this? Just because I was head scratching itched. my head. This is not the before the after the show discussion. I have by nits. the way, it was a long drawn out discussion about laws about COVID control and masks and behaviors and whatnot. But that's too long to discuss. So instead, we're discussing your itchy head. So when we were in school, this is a mid America 1970s and 80s. If somebody ended up having lice, then you might have a lice check, which meant somebody looking over your head, like digging their fingers in your hair and looking at every single kid, which sounds to me like a way to spread the lice. But hey, I wasn't in charge. But no, I've never had them. So Well, or we had the knit nurse. She was called Nora. Are you trying to tell me you have lice right now? No. Do we need a knit nurse? <laughs> she was called Nora the knit nurse. Oh my word. Are you kidding me? Nope. And uh, you... If you were, you know, if you were scratching your head or whatever, they would send you to the knit nurse, the teachers. And you'd go down to the knit nurse and she'd put this really stinky, like dry shampoo stuff in your hair. And I remember having it done once because I was scratching my head in class and they sent me down there. (gasps) And did you have it? I didn't have it, but they, they give it you regardless, put the stuff in your hair. And my hair stunk for about a week. It was horrible. So. If I'd known this, I might not have married you. (laughs) Maybe just um, kidding, just kidding. So yeah, I bet they don't have knit nurses nowadays, do they? Um, I would hope so. It's not like it's eradicated. Mm, yeah, but this lady was literally—that was a job, just knit nursing, nothing else. Mm. All right, so that's knit nurse. Weekly. Lovely subject to start with. All right, so this is Saturday, August the first. It's August already. I know. And this is after the show, six hundred and forty-five. The movie we're looking at this week because we're a movie review podcast is 2016's best movie. This is what the covers tells me. It didn't win, like, Academy Award or anything. No, but it, okay. won, it won awards in 2016. Okay. Uh, and why I was looking through my pile of Blu-rays, and with it being pandemic time, there's not a, not a ton of movies coming out. So I was looking through my list, my pile that I have, and I was like, this looks like a good movie, and we've never seen it. True, true. So I pulled it out and we watched it today. It's uh, available, obviously available now, everywhere. Probably on Netflix, for all I know. It's rated R, and it's uh, from our friends at Universal who sent us a copy back in 2016, and we neglected our duties to review it. (laughs) We're catching up. (laughs) So um, tell us the synopsis, and I'll give you the one off the box. A teenage girl is uh, having teenage girl problems. (laughs) that pretty much i was a teenage girl so i can throw this uh, snotty attitude right back at her (laughs) okay the one on the box is like war and peace (laughs) (laughs) so this one says in the vein of classic coming of age films like 16 candles in the breakfast club the edge of 17 is a poignant poignant and hilarious look at what it's like to be a teenager today Growing up is hard and life is no easier for Nadine, who is already at peak awkwardness. When her best friend Krista begins dating her all-star brother, Darlin. Darlin? Makes yeah. it sound like she's dating her own, this girl is dating her own brother. <laughs> that's, that, that's, not, that's not accurate. All at once, Nadine feels more alone than ever. With the help of a reluctant-sounding, bored, oh, a reluctant sounding board, not sounding board. She soon discovers that what feels like the end of the world may just be the beginning of growing up. It also stars Kyra Sedgwick, 
See the movie that critics are calling an instant high school movie classic. Told you it was long. It is long, and it's Kira Sedgwick, but that's okay. Only because I've heard it said in media right, things. Sorry, Kira Sedgwick. Sedgwick. Sedgwick? Sedgwick. Well, we'll call her Bacon, because she's married to Kevin Bacon. Okay. Kira Bacon. <laughs> okay. So, um, what did you think of The Edge of Seventeen? I enjoyed it. It does remind me of some of the vibe of every other coming-of-age story for teenage girls, mostly. Some teenage boys and boys, you know, kind of peppered through the years, but uh, very similar. And as a 52-year-old woman, having been a teenage girl many, many years ago, I look at this character and I'm like, oh, she is difficult. (laughs) I see it now. I see it now. I feel sorry for my mother. Is she typical, this girl? I would say. I mean... I would say, yeah. Let's say there's some spoilers. Typical sounds stereotypical. Is that what we're saying? Like, every teenage girl is most likely going to act this way. I don't know about that, but it's a... We're going to go into this talking about it now more. Well, I'm going to say there's some spoilers for a movie from 2016. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're kind of behind like we are, then... uh, I think my issue with her is, number one, and we don't address it at any point except that, this is a spoiler, the father dies. They're very old, these parents, for having this age of children. I'm not judging, I'm just saying. As soon as we meet the father, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. (laughs) Because daddy loved his little girl and, you know, was like the breaker between her and the world and then... Daddy dies of what appears to be a heart attack because he's like 75 years old. And she's what? At that time, it looked like... I don't agree he was 75 years old. <laughs> he, he, I think he was probably about 55. I don't know. They Even Kira Cedric looks older <laughs> than that. But um, So I was like, okay, I know where this is going. She's kind of her heartbroken. And then there's going to be some horrible, tragic fallout from this. And in fact, it is I mean, tragic, but... The death is traumatic in that she's actually in the car with him when he oh, dies. Oh, true. Definitely very and, traumatic. And the car crashes and her father dies. So it's horrible. Right. It is horrible. It's just that we don't give a... This is the part of the catalyst. We, I'm guessing we're going to say it's part of her personality. She's always felt these things about herself, that she hates herself. She hates the way she sounds, the way she looks. She says horrible things to people constantly. And then just expects to be like, oh, sorry, and that's enough, right? But she says she feel, she's felt that way her whole life, right? Not just the father dying thing. And then I guess I'm going for tropes here. Because her feeling bad by the time she's on the edge of 17, meaning she's almost 18. So if anyone wonders what the title means. Because at one point her mother or her brother, somebody says to her, you're almost out of 17 or something. You're almost 18, I don't know. So that's how old she is. So by the time she gets to that age, I would have expected maybe the family lost all of their possessions or now they're living really rough because the father's gone or the mother's been completely unable to care for them or the brother's like a super jerk like the brother in mid-90s. Remember that guy? Yeah, he was terrible. None of that is occurring. This is all because this young lady has this shitty attitude. <laughs> this is going to be my vibe. She just can't get her head around the fact that everything isn't about her, which, you know, it's going to be the revelation at some point. But, I mean, I sound very unsympathetic, and a lot of people, I read real quick reviews, and it's like, the most empathetic story about a young girl growing up, the most empathy I've ever heard of in a movie about a person going through these difficult times. I'm like, oh, that's me. I don't have any empathy for her. I was her. And if I could go back in time to my teenage self, I would have been like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop being such a brat. I, um, I, I really would have. So that's how I felt about her a lot, even though I liked her. Don't get me wrong. I liked her. But they gently treated her as if it's fine to be this way. Like, you know. Oh, like it's a phase? Like she's gonna... And she does have the revelation at a point where she even says the words, Wow, I'm the person who thinks everything is about them. Wow. 
and yeah. it dawns on her, right? So that's good. That's a fantastic thing to do. But then the solution is to give her a hug. Ugh. So maybe the script like is heavy handed with because it wants to have that moment where she realizes. True. Maybe it's heavy handed with the tropey, like, you know, she's full of herself over and over. I mean, she has to deal with boys. There's an awkward relationship. There's a another relationship. Well, All those are brought on by her choices, remember? Yeah. Her choices to interact a certain way or not bring on every interaction. I'm not saying they're good decisions by these young men either. I'm just saying that she's put herself, you know, like not accepting that the boy who likes her really does like her and then going for the boy who is seems like a jerk or, you know, moody guy or whatever he is. That also is very well used in many, many, many movies on this subject. Yeah, it's the it's the thing of um that he, the pet store guy, is you know, the the mm-hmm. sexy pet store guy, I'll call him. In her mind, he's like the ultimate thing. Like, if she could have him, her whole life would be cool. Mm-hmm. But then when she does kind of get with him, it's not what it's chalked up to be, is it? <laughs> right. It's and not- I think it's interesting that her expectation is, hey, let's hang out and just talk and do stuff, which is a reasonable expectation. And go for, for a anybody. walk or go exactly. to the cinema. Which, you know, was what the other boy kind of wanted to, but he also tried to move things along pretty quickly. I'll get to the thing about the other boy when we're discussing further, but... I think that, yeah, you're going to... Well, we'll go on now, right? That The other boy, the scene where they're in the swimming pool. The scene before the swimming pool is what annoys me, is that this boy has liked her. Mm-hmm. He tries to approach her. He tries to have awkward conversations with her. We see that he draws a little bit, so he's, you know... And then he's going to make a film for a film festival. So he's cool and everything, but he's awkward, and she just sees him as, like, a cute little... She actually says what she sees him has. Yeah, I'd just like to pick him up and stick him in my pocket or whatever. Like, he's so cute. Like, just behaves cute. But then all of a sudden, when does she like him all of a sudden? Yes, she decides to go swim in his pool, but it's like in a desperate attempt to, like, make herself feel better. She's like, screw it, I'm going to go. Probably her intention was, I'm going to go and lose my virginity right now with this guy, right? But then she goes to his house and he's rich. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, wow. And then he's like in a film festival and then he has something else. And that makes her more attracted to him, which I find kind of counter what I felt like the vibe of the movie was about. But I mean, it didn't it didn't dwell on him being rich or anything. No, but, but her attitude mentioned. toward yeah. him completely changed, which is really tacky. Right. I'm not saying it's unrealistic, just really tacky. Um, so you have the part where they're in the pool and he says, you shouldn't do that to a man or whatever. Yeah, that was a bit creepy. I, I felt like that part was, it didn't feel, um, that line even didn't feel right with either of the sides. It didn't feel like something he would say. It didn't feel like something, it's just odd, like it seemed odd. Yeah, it didn't fit in this sort of like more progressive thing we're going for. And then he, then, but then he walked out of the pool and, and made it kind of clear that he was joking, but. It came out of him, so I was like, oh. Yeah, I don't think he he was joking when he said it, but I know what you're saying. The vibe, yeah. That's the only thing in the whole movie where I was like, oh, that doesn't seem like planned out well. It doesn't fit. It's like the characters are suddenly somebody else. True, I agree. Um, So there was that. My favorite part of the entire movie, and it's if you look at the cover of the movie, you will see, you know, Woody Harrelson and her talking, and he's her teacher. And she kind of uses him as like a father figure-ish, because she's not got one anymore. But he kind of has this like, I don't give a shit attitude kind of with her. Um, I disagree. I think that it's more like he's seen it all, done it all. He knows that nothing he says or does is going to make any difference whatsoever. And I think she admires him. Yeah, he cares enough to give her the time. But he's not all mushy-mushy and like cheering her on. He's more like... If I, mean, I say to you, what the hell's wrong with you? I'll sound like a jerk. So I'm just going to say you're getting on my nerves. And the first thing she ever says to him is she's about to, I'm about to kill myself. I need to come to somebody. And what does he say? It's really funny. He's just like. He says, oh, I'm, I'm writing my own suicide letter. Oh, I just can't <laughs> take it anymore. That the only 35 minutes I have all day, it gets interrupted by 
my like my least favorite student to yeah. whine and complain and she's so just looking at really him like very funny the conversation between yes them. and quite poignant kind and, of jaded but yeah. understandably i think so that's my favorite part of the whole movie that whenever they converse and they don't converse quite enough like for my i was like oh i need more of those scenes with them not if you think the cover tells you anything that was mm. my complaint about the cover so like woody harrelson if you think he's like the star of the movie he's really not mm-hmm. he's in enough of it but he's not you know, I was wanting more of those scenes between them because he said some really cool things and she was listening to him and she was like, you know, he's not, he's not just like a, my te- I don't see him as a teacher. And it's not like, I, at first I thought, are they going to go down the road of she gets a crush on him? Mm. But they don't do that. That's no, not thankfully. what it's about. So it's just more about him being like a counselor for her, but in this really off way he swears and he's not. It's not like he's talking to a kid. It's like more like he's talking to an adult, right? Yeah, but he's not that like old trope of a cool teacher who. No, he's not cool, and he's not. He's not any. Well, even she tries to say that to him, doesn't she? Like you're just kind of. Well, she's so hateful. Like, yeah, you're just kind of nothing. Like you just you got like a average salary, and you just don't try, and you just sit there, and you're bald. Like she's bald, insulting like, him for being bald. like he can help that. <laughs> <laughs> but um I did like those scenes between them. Um there's another movie we saw. I don't know if you recommended it this week. Maybe you did. It was called Love Simon, and that reminded me a lot of like this. Hmm. You remember Love Simon? Yeah. I mean but that yeah, was about that's for like a boy, yeah. That was a gay uh, boy at high school, like a but that you know, that movie had a sequence where they went on a Ferris wheel. And there was an awkward kiss. This movie had a sequence on a Ferris wheel. True. Forgot about that. Yeah. And there was a couple of things where I was like, wow, high school movies are kind of the same thing. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> whether, whether, the, whether the kids are gay, whether it's a man and a girl. It's always the coming of age yeah. is the thing. It's always the same. But, um, you know, I don't have super, I don't have a good reference for American high school apart from what I've seen in movies. That's it. Right? Yeah. Is it anything like real life? Well, I went to a very small school, so I have to remember my experience is going to be way different than... But there were still elements of this in your high school. Like Like what element? Like the way it is, like little cliques and people are friends here and... Sure. You know, people dress a certain way. She kind of looked like she came from the 80s a lot in this movie. There's definitely divisions... Um, between people, no matter what, aren't there? Because like, there's the people who play the sports and the people who don't. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like, and I'm just gonna say this, and it's gonna sound really horrible, but there's like scummy people and non-scummy people, and there's the the people who like to party. That might have been the category I was in, and the people who go home every night and do their homework and want to be valedictorian. You know, that wasn't the group I was in. So yeah, there's divisions. But I went to such a small school. You didn't have, we literally only had about 200 people, so you didn't have hallways crowded with thousands of students every hour. You know, nothing like that. And one of the, th- one of the things in this movie was her best friend, who's been a best friend since she was little, um, falls in love, maybe? Mm, has sex with. With her brother. <laughs> and that, I, as that was happening, I was like, I bet that happens way too often in real life. Oh, I bet it does, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you've got a hot brother and all of a sudden you're you're always at the house, like, you know, as a friend. Sure. And all of a sudden hot brother looks hot and then that happens, right? Oh, and how terrible. It really would. I sympathize with that because, I mean, my brother's 10 years older than me, so it wouldn't have happened to me most likely. But would you be like, the way she was, like, disappointed if it would happen to you, Yes, I'd be like, Like, ew. Like, what is this? Gross. Are you trying to, but she's like, you trying to do something to me? Like, is it some kind of... She like, took everything that way. Like, you're yeah. mad at me, so you're doing that? Like, that's the first thing she comes to. So, she's just mad, isn't she? Because her dad died. She, I mean, she, in her, inside, she's like, life's sure. given me, like, a shit life. So, you know. And it doesn't tackle, like, a thought. I thought after it, because the opening sequence of the movie is her saying she's a, I might kill myself to the teacher. That's like the opening. I thought that it was going to go really dark in that way. I don't think she was going to kill herself, but I thought she might try at some point. Mm. But it kind of stays on, oh, the edge. 
stays on the edge True. going dark. It doesn't really ever go dark, does it? It's just more like she's moody. Yeah, like I said, the hug and the people going like, oh, honey, we understand you. And patting her on her little head and giving her a hug was like, oh, this solves all the problems. I think you actually cried when she hugged her brother. Oh, no, that wasn't because of the hug. That was was because I was thinking about the brother, the point of view from that character. That Explain what the brother's mindset Well, was. her attitude about her brother from the time she was a little girl, because we have a little flashback, is that he is Mr. Confident and he, he wins everything and look how handsome he is, how disgusting he is. Like, he's so full of himself. You know, he's the winner. I'm the loser. It's how she's always looked at him. So after her father's death and then now, she's like, oh, you of course you want to go save mom and be the hero and the golden boy. And he's like, Yeah. You're right. You're right about everything. And then he explains, yeah, of course, I love having to have her call me constantly and me having to be like the other adult in the family. I'm only picking colleges that are close by because I don't know what's going to happen, how she's going to handle things. He like lays it out for her. And I'm thinking, hmm. So his character would be an interesting movie, I think, right? To be perceived as the golden boy you mean and taking having, it from his perspective? Yeah, having to look as though you're just getting on with everything. He's good in sports. He's handsome. He's got the cool friends. You know, all that stuff that on the outside. But on the inside, he's the mess, where she's a mess on the outside and on the inside. I mean, he has this added thing of his mother emotionally needs him because he's no man anymore. Correct. And he's the closest, you know, the kids are the closest thing to her husband, as she describes him. Yeah, and even the mother then has to realize what she's doing to the brother. And so I felt like that was just a more... Maybe because I was a teenage girl and I don't have any sympathy for how snotty I was, is why I would have a little more sympathy for his character. I, I really did <laughs> like the... This is a sequence towards the end where the mother is texting a daughter. Yes, that's what I mean. She kind of realized too, like, oh, I... I'm too much. I'm too much? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she writes like a whole thing. Like she's like, a, you know, and then call me immediately. And then she backs down, backs out and just puts, okay. <laughs> like I have to let go of yeah. like micromanaging these kids. Like, you know, cause they'll be okay. Right. You know, like, and I'm totally on board with that whole concept of people having revelations about their own, I won't say inadequacies. It's just life. It's like how you perceive everything and then realizing, Oh, like, I can think a different way, and I'll be okay. So I like that. Um, I was going to say this movie, like, I was hoping this movie would have a, like, high school-y type movies. They usually have a good soundtrack, but they didn't really, it seemed like they didn't spend any money on any yeah, song. Yeah, but they had The Edge of Seventeen, right? It wasn't in it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Like, wrongly, I assumed that would be either the the song at the very end, right, where you all of a sudden it kicks in and you've got Stevie Nicks singing Edge of Seventeen. But no, it's not there. So if that's why you're watching this movie, you're the going on- to be sadly disappointed. The only thing about the soundtrack I really love is when she's in a bedroom, she's listening to Save Me by Amy Mann. Oh, yeah. Which is the main song from Magnolia. So in my head, I was like, she must have seen the movie Magnolia. Another very cheery movie, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> so I like that. I was like, hmm, how many teenagers would have seen Magnolia? Probably none. So, but anyway, yeah, they paid for Amy Mann's song in the quiet, quiet in the background there, I guess. Hmm. But as far as soundtrack goes, it's really forgettable. There isn't much. There's some real generic music and there's some like emo-y kind of coffee mm-hmm. shop music at some points. But, uh, yeah, what are you, bit, an old man? <laughs> well, I was just disappointed. I was hoping for a cool soundtrack, not an 80s soundtrack or whatever, but maybe a cool soundtrack from 2016, you know, yeah. to go with the images, but nope. That didn't happen. I think the remake of Jet Plane is in there. That's the song in the car. Yeah, that's true. Um, which is sometimes on the chill, like the dance Correct. version of it. Yeah. So, um, so what did you think in general? I enjoyed think it. It's the best movie of twenty. No, I don't remember all the movies from twenty sixteen, but I'm gonna say no, not the best one. I do, but think good and high quality drama. Is it a dramedy? Is it a comedy? No, it's not a comedy, is it, really? I was looking for what category this would be in, and I think coming of age needs to be its own genre. Because you can have a coming of age story that is a zombie story, 
or it can be drama. It could be action, but it's centered around the idea of transitioning, transitioning from one, from one age to another. But I, I, didn't, I didn't see it out there when I was trying to look up coming of age. I mean, people have labeled them coming of age movies, but. What I found really weird is on IMDb, when they categorize movies, you know, with mm-hmm. like keywords. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. The keywords for this movie are adolescence, coming of age, scantily clad female, oh panties, and white panties. Panties? Yep. Oh my God. The problem is we know someone who would probably look for <laughs> that. Unless you said, uh, we're talking about teenage panties, and then he might be like, mm-hmm. oh, never mind, but Yo, still. Well, it's not just panties. The second one is white panties. Oh my goodness. It's very specific with what it... I was like, what? What are you oh, even talking oh, about? Oh no. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some... This is very weird. I'll give you some other um, categories that this is in. It's also in panties pulled down. Oh my god. Upskirt, short skirt, schoolgirl skirt... What the hell? Who who categorizes this stuff? I mean, yeah. all those things are in this, but that's somebody's not... cataloging that. And the real question is why? Someone's also catalog- cataloging. Gross. Middle-aged woman pantyhose is also on that. Yeah, we got that going on. And interrupted sex and black pantyhose. It's very weird. IMDb. Yeah. IMDb is very specific and very granular. It goes right down there. So what that tells me is somebody has a thing. <laughs> For black pantyhose, specifically. Better than red ones. I don't know, is it? I think it's the same. It was nominated for a Golden Globe, this movie, also. I'm just looking at the IMDb stuff. So um, let's get on to the cast. Haley Haley Steinfield plays Nadine. We previously saw her in Bumblebee, but she did that after this movie. So there's some kind of weird time warp going on. (laughs) How did you like her in this role? Oh, I think she's really good. I think she doesn't over-dramatize the, the reality of being the self-centered teenage girl. You know, she doesn't get overly, like... We I talked about Lady Bird a little bit, and she had a little more of a grown-up version of what yes. the teenage girl's attitude would be. A little too cool, like Ghost World also has that. Just a little bit too much of the grown-up's version. And Juno, all those that feel very adult, this young lady felt... Like a real teenager. To me. A little bit above her age, maybe, but the her vibe was right. Yeah, I um, think she's very charismatic. She was in Bumblebee, too. And in Bumblebee, remember, she played a similar aged girl, right? She was a teenage girl. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a year older. Also or with a dead father. Spoiler. Also with a dead... Yes, correct. That may be a, you know, specialty. <gasps> She looks for scripts with just that in there very specifically. Yep. Uh, I did like her in it. I did. I do quite like her. I think she, you know, don't know what. She'll probably be in the next Transformers movie, I'm assuming. Um, Haley Lou Richardson plays Krista, her best friend. And I said to you, this girl looks like the first person to die in any horror movie. As a cheerleader. As a cheerleader. And I was like, why is that so specific? <laughs> why is well, that in my mind? This is more, it's as specific as the um, pantyhose in on IMDb. So um, then I went and looked her up, and she was one of the cheerleaders from the movie Split by M. Night Shyamalan. And if you want to know what these cheerleaders were going through, you're just going to have to watch that movie. Yeah. So what did you think of her in this? I liked her. Pretty generic, but as a friend, she, you know. I mean. We were portraying her in the beginning as a nice little girl who likes the little caterpillar, just sort of quiet and... That's how she remained until she did the thing that best friends do in every movie like this. And without it being terribly maniacal, she still kind of didn't ditch her friend, but showed a whole other side of wanting to be sort of like with a different group of people. Yeah, which true. to this friend says, oh, you're abandoning me for them. And they do that in all these movies. But again, I bet that happens a lot. And they... The end of this movie as well, I've got to mention during the movie talk, when she kind of finds her people. I mean, mm. that's what the movie's kind of about. Like, you've got, you fit in with a certain pers- people. Right at the very end where her, where the film student, film student guy says, oh, come and meet my, meet my friends or whatever. It seemed like she was happy there, didn't it, at the end? 
Yeah, but you know, like there are, you know, that's fleeting. <laughs> yeah, the hug didn't solve everything. Let's just be real. So we've got Blake Jenner as a brother, Darian. He, um, we found out used to be married to Melissa Benoist. Correct. Um, I actually really liked him. And why does Melissa Benoist matter to you? Supergirl. I like the movie. I like Supergirl. <laughs> But she was divorced from this guy. But this guy was in Supergirl. If you go back and watch season one, you'll see him. Um, I liked him in this a lot. Because uh, it was kind of a... You know, he's in this house with women. Right? Yeah. And he's trying to be... He's not trying to be something. He's just trying to, like, cope. Like, I think the thing... I The vibe I got was he's just trying to keep moving in the same way he would have. Before Dad died. Right. And then in addition to that, he's being the other grown-up in the house. We won't say the other man in the house, because I don't... I think it's very balanced. He just has to be everything. Yeah. Like, the center of gravity, essentially. And, you know... I think he did a good job. Even when they... When the girls were looking at him at the beginning, and she she's like, oh, my brother, what a loser. And she's he's like, look at that top he's wearing. And he's, like, real muscly. And then she says to her friend, like, he's just, like, obsessed with that. So I feel like he just threw himself at something because he's in pain, right? True. I mean, you're adding that, but sure. That's that's how I took it. Like he, well, that's why he's like that because he has to get away from stuff. He has to, you know, live, try and get through it. I really liked him, Uh, Kira Cedric. uh, Did I get it right this time? Kira, not Kira. I think so. She plays Mona. Um, I did have. Like you. I had the feeling that she's a bit old for their mom, but... <laughs> but just try to do the math, go backwards. These two, these two people are 17, and I think he's 18 because he's still in high school. So the daughter's about to turn 18, and she's a junior. The son then would be 18, potentially just turn 19. This is American high school, so this is the ages that you are in high school. He's still in school, right, because he's going to her school. So go back 20 years, Kara Sedgwick is what? In this movie, even looks to me older than me, and I'm 52. She, look, she looks like late 50s. Okay, so subtract. So that's in her 30s, and the husband definitely. I'm again. I'm not judging. I'm just saying it's all. It's unusual to have older parents. I guess what was the one with Jennifer Garner having the young kids? Peppermint. No, no, no. The other one where um, I think it was her. Might have been someone else. Where the son. I'll have to think of it. <laughs> but she also, see, I was like, well, she's in a different age bracket to have that age of children, but maybe that's a trend. Kara Cedric had some of the emotional scenes for sure. Like, you know, I think. She had to. Yeah. I mean, they, the, didn't, oh. they didn't go into, like, the death of the husband. They didn't have the funeral and all that stuff, did they? They just skipped right. over it pretty quick. But, um, actually, again, Kara, Kara Cedric. She isn't in it a lot. Like, Woody Harrelson's not in it a lot either. But what she did do was make it very clear what kind of person and mother she is. She's unstable at home, and yet we see that she has a very stable, apparently well-paying job. The house hasn't changed. They're in a very nice upper-middle-class home. They have all the stuff they want and need. She's maintaining a life for them. She's very professional because she doesn't want her boss to be... But broken inside. Right. She's just an emotional wreck and trying to find a different man and, you know, as you would, possibly. And so, but I feel like as we go through her little tiny scenes where she has her tiny little revelations that make all the difference, she did a good job. And then we've got Woody Harrelson as Mr. Bruno. He's the best. He's my favorite thing. (laughs) I like Woody Harrelson in most anything, including Natural Born Killers, which I really love that movie. (laughs) Uh, you don't really particularly like not it. Not really. I think he's really awesome in it. I'm not saying he's not awesome in it. I've just never been a fan of that movie. Hmm. It's one of my favorite Woody Harrelson joints. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's your favorite Woody Harrelson? Um, it might be that, <laughs> to be honest. Really? Yeah. I like Zombieland. He's pretty good in Zombieland. He's pretty good in... 2012? The, the Hunger Games. <laughs> 2012, he's just like a nutcase. <laughs> I mean, Cheers is the best. And you probably never even watched an episode of Cheers with him in it. I mean, I've seen him. I've seen clips. I've never watched a whole episode. He had to play, wait for it, a character named Woody. Woody. <laughs> yeah. um, That's funny. No, I, I think it might be Natural Born Killers. Might be the might have been my introduction to him, to be honest. You know? So, um, 
yeah, Woody Harrelson is great in this. I like his. I like the lines he has. I think he's a really rounded character. I like how, how like you make you know she has one impression of him, and maybe you do as you're watching it. But then when you actually find out his family and mm-hmm. like what it's slightly different and off to what it's like. Oh, not everybody's like what exactly what they are on the cover. Absolutely. So I did like that about him. He was three dimensional. Is that right? Uh. Apart well, from he's kind of no dimensional because you don't actually know anything because he's very, he doesn't give away a lot. He's helpful, but he's not gushy. He's not He's what she lovey-dovey. Needs, though, he's not inappropriate. He's got a wife and a kid, but the wife even says, well, I understand because I was a mess until I met this guy. And then you're like, oh, is he like a... A fixer? No, my instant thing was, hmm, is he an AA guy? And he maybe met her at an AA meeting and was a sponsor. I don't know. I made up a whole thing. <laughs> I made up. I made up. Is he Nicolas Cage in City of Angels? Because she seemed a lot younger than him, his wife. That's true. And he had a very young child for as old as he was, too. I really liked that line where they walked in the house, him and yeah. uh, Nadine. And she said, "Why is that? what's that? Why is there a baby in here? And he's like, oh, oh shit. Where's that come from? <laughs> that was really good. Um... And lastly, I put down Hayden Setso as Irwin. He's like the other love interest in this. He was good. I, I thought he was good too. Yeah. Because he was kind of, he's just awkward, wasn't he? But he was a nice guy. And that's a bit dilemma. Do you go for the sexy guy who works at Pet? PetSmart's not exactly sexy, is it? But do you could, is it that guy or do you go for the... PetSmart guy? No. I mean, he's supposed to be the sexy guy, but the PetSmart doesn't really do him any favors in the sexy terms, does it? Working at PetSmart. None of it does. And it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, like, they built a very two-dimensional Oh, he also character. had a shitty car. Yeah, which... no, that wasn't his. He was in... Oh, the one he was driving, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't shitty. It was just standard, like, mom's car. But she even kind of insulted it, you it's know? funny. Um, so uh, this is directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, and she's directed a couple of indie films called Streak and Postgrad, which we've not seen. Um, it's pretty straightforward movie-making, this one. True. Didn't you think? Yeah. It was... You know, there's nothing... It's not artistic. They're never doing anything. It's kind of like... It's almost single camera kind of stuff. All the scenes are pretty blocked out, just... Yeah. There's no camera taking off in the sky and spinning around. Which is good. You're just focused on the people. Yeah, but I think, you know, well put together. It looks great. It's really well lit. Did you notice that? Yes. Very well lit at times. Yeah. So um, let's look at the uh, IMDb reviews. You explain what those are. Well, you go out to IMDb to find reviews of all the movies we watch. And when you, when you like a movie and you find the one-star reviews, you like to make fun of how stupid those people are. But if you don't like the movie, we collectively always go, yeah, we get their point. <laughs> so we're hypocrites, basically. It's just to highlight our hypocrisy and for you to make a funny voice. All right. So this guy just this guy doesn't actually have um, any content in his post. Oh yeah, he does. Here we go. He says I'd rather jump in front of a U-Haul than watch this film. Don't know why he's very specific. That's very spe- how how big is this U-Haul? Because you can get all sizes. My Maybe friend. the seventy-five dollar a night one. Uh hmm. Yeah. Hmm. He says, "Why did I waste my night watching this film?" Let's see. Growing up is hard, and for most parts of this girl's life, I agree. Bullied and losing her dad was hard. But what for some reason takes the cake is when her friend starts dating her brother. We already know that she's a whiny, selfish and annoying girl. But then she just takes it to a whole new level. Not being able to act like a normal human being until she gets a boyfriend herself. Do you agree? I mean, that's like... I believe that's what the movie's about. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's not a criticism. So the whole of the movie is the complaint? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm on board. This guy says, this is the most stupidest movie I have ever seen. The most stupidest is really good. I can't believe I wasted an hour and a half of my life watching this crap. All the girl does is complain. I can't believe it got such high ratings. It makes me think twice about life. There is no moral to the story or even a storyline at all. No moral to the story. Or even a storyline at all is the bad that got me. Huh. Like none? Nothing? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing at all. This person says, oh my god, I've got four kids and if any of them acted like Nadine, I would have shipped them off to military school. (laughs) I understand being an old soul. 
and not fitting in with your peers. But that wasn't the case here. Nadine is just spoiled, entitled, immature, selfish, and she's a brat. And I never wanted to punch a character in the face more than Nadine. Boo-hoo. My dad died years ago, so everyone feels sorry for me. She acted like she was the only one who loved her father and lost him. She's the most unlikable character I've ever seen in movies. It's pretty bad when you absolutely loathe the main character. That is difficult also to the get point on board. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to be like, why is she huh? And I do have sympathy that her father died and she was there when he died. I have that same situation, but I mean it was the way that it just pushes her um the way it's written. It just it's basically like insulting to her and to teenage girls to keep them in the dark about how um, she agrees in the end how self-absorbed they are, but, you know, I'd like to see somebody a little bit earlier in the movie. You no, know, everyone tips toes around her, don't you think? And everybody kind of like, yeah, doesn't really confront her. They're just sort of like, what? why don't you see what's wrong with you? Instead of saying like the brother ultimately does, but. I don't get this one. You Maybe you can explain it. Okay. It says, while coming of age films are good for feelings. The GD word from the mum. What's the GD word? I believe it would be goddamn. Okay, the GD word from the mother in this film ruins the entire movie. They didn't even warn you that they were going to say it. I wouldn't let my granddaughter watch this for this single reason. Why bleep out anything if the world continues to minimize these two words? Oh, wow. Well, that is an interesting reason to dislike an entire movie <laughs> when a character who is at the, her wit's end, she doesn't swear any other time, I don't think, the mother. She might. No. And then at a moment of great frustration with her daughter and feeling I'm going to add this to her character, like a failure, like she hasn't been able to actually raise up her daughter and son adequately because she's broken, right? And then she's frustrated and then she says the GD word. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the teenage girl says fuck, like, over and over. There's Did lots. she? Yeah, she does, yeah. Maybe they're more offended by the GD than the, the oh, F. If you include the God. <laughs> the in GD that. and the F, yeah. Well, GDF to you. <laughs> Is that a new phrase you've just made up? Nice. Um, extras on this Blu-ray, there are, there's not many, actually. There's a, a gag reel, and there's some deleted scenes. Do you mean like... Oh. There is a vomit scene in this movie. That should be on the IMDb. There is. Vomit scene. Teenage vomit scene. There is. So um, if you're looking for teenage There's vomit, a lot of obligatory teenage stuff. They get drunk. She throws up. She's hung over. They dress up and like parade around. There's the, the perception house. that she's the nerdy girl. when She's not really the nerdy girl. You no, know. she's definitely not the nerdy girl because she has to actually go and talk to some nerds at one point in the hallway. Because she she's not familiar with the and area. And she's obviously not part of them. Because You're right. They're like, oh. You know, so, no, she's not even the nerdy girl, is she? Oh, so she's lost and alone. I should feel bad for her now. You should all, You should have anyway. <laughs> I don't. All right. So, Edge of 17, I'm going to give it. I actually think it's quite good. I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. I'm going to go with the 6.8. Is there a point system now? I didn't, yeah. I, that oh, I always have had points. Because if I give a bunch of movies 7s, and at the end of the year when you require that I pick my top-rated movies, I'll have too many in that category. So I've taken to giving them points. Right. Therefore, they will be. Uh, I will know exactly who rose above the others. I'll give it a 6.5 then on that scale. Oh, that's lower than mine. Okay. Ah. Uh-huh. But I think it's, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very... I mean, it's nothing revolutionary like they were getting at in these uh, reviews. That yeah, exactly. The reviews are a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, but it was a good... You know, like a poignant kind of... Agree. With well, good performances across everybody. Um, so I'm going with some recommendations this week. I will recommend you another movie called Eighth Grade, which is a very good movie about, like, today's high school, right? With uh, Facebook. Eighth and, grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eighth grade is high school, I'm assuming. No, eighth grade is Just middle school. Just before high school. Um, it depends on where you live, but pretty close. Yeah, well, eighth grade's a really cool one because it, it's, you know, it deals a lot with social media and how kids interact with each other these days, which this movie does slightly, right? Yeah, not too much, though. But that movie was kind of focused around that, and the yeah. girl 
you know, like being bullied a little bit. And by eighth grade, I recommend. And Bumblebee, which is another movie with... It's my favorite Transformers movie, actually, Bumblebee. I think it was the best out of all of them. Don't know if you thought the same. Um, no, I don't know about that. I have to think about them. I like that it was set in the 80s. Of course you do. Yeah. Because you are from the 80s. Correct. And what are your recommendations? Mine are skirting around the same as yours, but I'm going to go back a little ways and say, of course, the obligatory, if you grew up in the 80s as a teenager, you will have you will remember things, little movies like The Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But I think in those movies, you only really have characters that come of age, like the nerdy guy from Breakfast Club who would have been Anthony Michael Hall, He's the one writing the letter to the principal, if you've ever seen it. It opens with a voiceover. And then Cameron, Ferris Bueller's friend, when they're in the art museum and he stops to look at the painting of the park and he just starts zooming in and it's like this terrifying thing of like, I felt it even then. This is this is my youth where I am right now and that, this sort of like stuck, terrifying, <laughs> like monotonous billion dots of life to come. My adulthood is my adulthood is about to hit me and it's going to be ter- terribly mundane. And those are the two moments I think in those movies, the two things from those movies that feel like actual coming of age. And then I have Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is yeah. quite different from a lot a bit of hippy these. Dippy. It was yeah. and different. There's the adult relationship she has and I have 8th grade also. You right. also have some others there, I can see. Eighth grade, Diary of a Teenage Girl, Breakfast Club. Oh, Toy Story 3. Yeah. I think coming of age, just the concept of it, of moving on from what is contained as a youthful life to adulthood. And yeah, adulthood becomes one big chunk of, I'm just going to put it out there, it's monotonous. It can be very <laughs> draining and boring. I've been an adult a long time. And... Toy Story 3 is that letting go of, you know, the the sweetness of youth. Not really about any particular character, though, was it? It's just the idea of Well, it was. It was Andy, like, Yeah, but it wasn't, like, about and... him, but about, like, letting go of things. So, mm. and that was it. All right. So, um, that is our recommendations. Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing some more Ghost of Tsushima. I think I'm saying it right now. Ghost of Tsushima. Nice. Um, it is a 12th century samurai video game by Sucker Punch, the people who made Sly Cooper. So they really took a turn, didn't they? They made Sly Cooper and then they made a samurai game. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so it's very well made. It's a Sony PlayStation 4 exclusive. It's an open world game. Think something like uh, Assassin's Creed, but with samurais. And the plot is like a revenge plot. Your uncle's been kidnapped by this Mongol terror guy. And uh, the guy's played by the guy from Deadwood. You remember the guy from Deadwood, the Chinese guy? Mm-mm. Don't he think so. He kind of ran the fish market. I don't think so. You don't remember that? Mm-mm. I remember that. I don't remember him. Yeah. Oh, you probably do remember him if you've seen him. He was kind of like, uh, the way they portrayed him in Deadwood was like really stereotypical. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> Intentionally, but still. Yeah. Awkward. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a very good open world, you know, if you like map, open world map with loads of things to do on the map, this is full of things to do. So I recommend you that one. So Sita, what is for dinner? What do you want? I want the Impossible Whopper from Burger King. Well, there you go. You've answered your own question. Very good. And your uh, advice? Oh, do you not have anything else to say? Is that it? That was it. And my advice is... No, I mean your advice, yes. Yeah, my advice is uh, just on the back of this movie. It's going to seem random, but some of you will understand that hugging, you know, that cuddly, cozy, everybody can use a hug, does not solve everything. It doesn't solve anything for me. I'm not a hugger. I'm not into it at all, really. Like You like me, Hogan. I like you, but it's very singular. And then individual people who I will allow to hug me, like my mother, who will hug around my arms, and I'll say, 
are you done? And she'll laugh and go, oh my God, you're crazy. You know, because she likes the hugs and I'm just not a hugger. It's not a personal space thing. It's not emotional or comforting in any way, shape or form to me. And so this thing where she's standing in the hall and the brother's looking at her and they've just had an argument and she's like, I'm really sorry. And then he just, they take a long drawn out moment to watch him walk over to her and hug her gently. And her face goes all like, oh, finally someone's hugging me. And I was just like, what? I was touched by it. I know you were because you're a, well, you're not a hugger either, really. No, but I was still touched by it because she needed, she needed She didn't need, no, she, she maybe did, but that doesn't solve everything. So oh, sometimes think, if, it might have solved it for that minute for that person. But I don't, I like to not have the impression that everyone's problems can be solved by some sort of emotional, like gentleness. Cause it's not true. True. I don't have an alternative for you. I'm just saying hugs don't solve everything and not everybody likes being hugged. So keep that in mind. Sometimes hugging someone is very selfish because you think they need a hug and you're hugging them, you don't know, maybe going through their mind is like, this is giving me huge anxiety. And if you don't let go of me, I'm going to scream. And when you do let go of them, they just walk away and have to sort of recover from your need to hug them. So keep that in mind. Did you cheery thing there. Did you notice you. that Nadine did you notice Nadine's um sweatshirts and t shirts in this movie? Some but not not fully. I felt they probably were something pretentious. You saw, oh, so you don't still don't know? No. They were Cohen Brothers shirts. Oh, yes, I saw that. You saw the dude. And yeah. There was a bunch of them. Uh, Fargo one. Um, uh, you know why? Because she was in a Cohen Brothers movie. True Grit. Mm. I guess she's oh, a fan. Oh, that's right. Or somebody's a fan in the production team. They're like, wow, we've got the girl from True Grit. <laughs> Make sure she wears Cohen Brothers shirts. So, um... Uh, that is it for the stuff for this week. <laughs> the stuff. You can catch uh, us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can catch this podcast on Google Play, iTunes Music Store, Spotify. We're on Spotify, right? I don't know. You're in charge of that stuff. RSS feed, iHeartRadio, we're on there. We're on the um, Amazon devices. We're on those. We're on the... Um, <laughs> you don't sound too sure. <laughs> We're on the Google devices also. We're just on everywhere. We're everywhere. We're on Plex. You know what I'm saying? We sound sort of like obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying we're, we're just everywhere. We're everywhere. You can email. You cannot escape us. You can email me at ascoli, ascoli.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She hates you all. I don't hate thinks anyone. you all suck. No, and she just as long as you don't hug, hug me. off yeah. any one of you. As long as you don't try to hug me. We're good. We're good. And uh, Sid Talk, I want to say, stay classy. Mr. Woody Harrelson, one of my favorites. I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. 